Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Happy Friday. Thanks for everybody for checking us out. We got a big show for you. We're going to do our picks and props because that's what we do on Friday. No doubt. Some winners out there. We're going to break down the NBA uh, Conference Finals as they're right in the thick of everything. Uh, it's Friday, so we're going to do our five star Q&A. We got some good questions from our uh, bench warmers. Good ones. Out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think real- they are. I think there's okay. some strong ones that are out there. But first, before we get to the NBA, oh, we're going to play a memory game, too. I'm looking forward to that, uh, that uh, Debo has cooked up for us. So I don't know what that's... What that's that cool. Means. I actually watched Game Night last night, so oh, you fired did? up. Yeah. I heard that movie was pretty good. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, but first, before we get to that, so yesterday I was trying to track you down. Yeah. And I was trying to get you on uh, to my radio show and have you as a guest. That's right. And I didn't hear a text back, which is odd, because you're, you're pretty good, like, text back. Guy. Yeah. You're pretty quick. And I get the text, and it says, sorry... I was at the casino with my grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that was not the text I was expecting to get. Right. Um, did you guys do all right? No. No? Uh, so it was a rainy It was a rainy day, and, like, my grandmother comes down. She's 91, God bless her, nanny. <laughs> and she loves to be at the casino playing slots. And I'm not a slot guy. Like, I like the live gaming when I go, but I don't gamble a lot. You know. You know. Right. So, but yesterday, we had nothing to do, and my family's out of town. Um, my kids are in New York and my other son's on his field trip. So I was like, I'm going to take my mom who loves to, to gamble yeah, and my grandma. And we went over to a local casino and I played slots with them. Nuh-uh. Yeah. For like, for like three and a half hours, sat and, pulled the lever. Just sat, and you don't even pull the lever anymore. You just hit the button. That's right. So I sat and had a, I hit a button and watched like, a, like videos on my phone for like three and a half <laughs> nice. hours. Next time you go, you got to hit me up because I do like to gamble. Do you? All right. Yeah, I won't pass up. We actually had a we had a good time. It was was a good time. I'll be like, hey, babe, I I got to go meet Rajah's family. (laughs) Tell her stories about. They're always welcome, bro. Always welcome. All right, very cool. All right, so the NBA playoffs—they're in the thick of things. We've got maybe a series on our hands with Uh, Rockets Warriors because uh, Game Two went much better for the uh, the Rockets. They actually go out and uh, pretty much finish them off. It wasn't even close. Uh, it looked different to me, although Mike D'Antoni said, nope, it was pretty much the same game plan. Uh, but the Rockets look better. I'm curious to hear from you the reason why it looked so different. It looked different. Well, well, first of all, Mike is right. It was the same thing. They just did it with more of a purpose. And we kind of touched on it on the last pod. Like The ISO situation was the same. They just didn't take five, six, seven seconds to get into the ISO and all of that extra time getting into your ISO allows people to kind of load to the ball, which means the defenders behind the man guarding the ball are able to kind of get in position to do what they need to do to help support that. What they did was they broke you down off the dribble in the initial ISO, swung the ball, and instead of holding it, the next guy who caught it either swung it really quick or made his mind up to drive the ball. When you get multiple drives on on guys that are closing out at you, guys that are running you off of three-point shots because they're really good shooters – um, that the the soft underbelly of that zone becomes exposed, or that that defense, and that's what they did. They just made their mind up when the ball got swung that they were going to attack off the bounce quicker and more um, deliberately than they did in game one. And it it just it had Golden State on their heels the whole game. All right, so I have a couple reasons, my theories. Okay, uh-huh. the first one being, and you've said this a lot, that the role players play better when they're at home. That's why it was so shocking that they didn't do much in game one while they were in Houston. Right, but it was those role players when you had Eric Gordon. Trevor Ariza and, uh, Ariza and PJ Tucker combined for 68 points in game two, going 12 of thir- 18 from three pointer. Like, 
from the three-point line, you're gonna, you're gonna, that's the difference in the game. Of course. Point. The second one, I still think the series is a wrap. I think this is the game. The Warriors got sloppy. They don't really care. They kind of let their guard down. Yeah. And it was interesting because Steph, Steph Curry talked about it after the game. He said they made shots. We were just a step slow on our rotations and our switches. Guys got into the paint. We know their MO is isolation, trying to get dribbles, get the ball in the paint. We've got to respond with some more aggressiveness and more discipline on the defensive end. I think this is a game the Warriors just didn't show up. They did it against uh, the Spurs. They were up 3-0, and then they just let it, laid an egg. They did it against the Pelicans. They were up 2-0, laid an egg, got beat by 20. This was that game for the Warriors to me, the one where they just kind of like just don't care. Spoken like a true Warriors uh, <laughs> supporter. Uh, but, no, I mean, there could be something to be said for that. I, I can't I, – when I watched them play, it didn't look like they came out and laid an egg. Right. It didn't look like they weren't there to play. It looked like they got beat. Um and the Warriors have had limited success against the Rockets this year. Now, they've had people injured here and there, but the Rockets have the type of guys. The Warriors don't have great defenders. I mean, KD is an underrated defender. Klay Thompson's a good defender. Draymond, I mean, they have some. But at the point when you could get, like, Steph Curry and ISO situations, like, there's some there's some real gaping holes in what they want to do defensively. You have to find them, and then you have to have – the type of pieces that can expose that. And I thought that Houston did a really good job of finding them. What Houston also did was even though they ISOed about the same amount of time, it wasn't all James Harden in the ISO. Right. They got the ball to Chris Paul's hands. In the first game, it felt like a lot of people were just standing around watching Chris Paul, I mean, uh, James Harden dance on the ball. Um, and it didn't allow other people to kind of get involved, um, which supports, you know, your point about when you get those role players scoring like that, you're going to be much better off. And so they split those ISOs between James Harden and Chris Paul. And then, you know, I think the debate is hilarious about whether you make an adjustment versus whether you don't make an adjustment. Right. Like, of course you make an adjustment. You might not change who you are, like the DNA of the way you play, but all of those guys made some kind of adjustment because they came out and they played better. Right. So you had, and on the flip side, so the Warriors team that was off, their role players didn't play very well. I mean, they don't really have – they have superstars. They're, but they're – I guess all their superstars didn't play great. When you look at Steph Curry, only had 15. He looked a little bit off. Do you – like, when you see Steph Curry struggling on both sides, because he's getting abused off uh, defensively too, and they're going after him, what are you seeing when you see his game? So I, I, I listened yesterday. I heard a lot of people theorize about, you know, him being injured still and not being 100%. I don't think he's injured. I, I saw him – offensively when he has the ball and those guys are kind of getting up in him and taking away his three, he looks fine. He's able to bounce past his man and get to the rack and finish. And, and, and so I don't see any lingering effects of the injury. Now you could make a case that he's not at a hundred percent, like in terms of conditioning and so on and so forth. Although I, I, I don't know that I'd believe that either, but you could make that case. Um, I think Houston, what they're doing and they're doing a good job of it. And it's what I would do to any, big time mega star like that is I'd be as physical as I could be with them. And some guys it would affect more than others just because of their stature. Mm -hmm. And Steph isn't the biggest guy in the world. And so they've thrown a lot of bodies at him. Um, they're, he's have to, so when he beats his man off the bounce and he gets into the paint and he's finishing like some really tough finishes, yeah. but guess where he's got to get up from? He got to get up from the floor. Like they're putting him into the stanchion. They're putting him into the, the first row. He's on the ground. They're, they're physically, taking a toll on him right now. It's a lot of touches, if you will, on Steph Curry's body. And I think that's having an effect on him. See, I think I think Steph Curry is the type of guy who in the regular season goes off 
because the defense isn't as great. And right. I think there's a very specific reason why his numbers deteriorate in the postseason. It's because the intensity level goes up. Guys are more willing to take contact. And they're just going to be more likely to get that hand in the face. Right. Like, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Every- not like the, the players, like, remember Barkley and all the old timers were like, oh, Steph could never do this in the 90s, you know, because we played more physical basketball. Right. Like, I always looked at it and said, if you can shoot, you can shoot. But I don't think he would be as dominant back then as he is now in the regular season because I think you even see him drop off in the postseason. Yeah, it's a different brand of basketball. The brand of basketball in the playoffs is more like into the brand that, that they played back then where, where you can be physical. You see the refs swallowing the wits. They're, you know, it's funny to me the NBA says that it's it, it, it doesn't change. Of course it changes. Like your your eyeballs will look at a game in the playoffs and be that's really physical, you know, and they don't always let that happen in the regular season. So there's there is something to be said for that. And again, Steph's build isn't one that that is best suited for that style of play, if you will. Right. He can still navigate through it. He's in, he's one of the best players on the planet. But over the course of time, if you're gonna let, you know, the PJ Tuckers, the Trevor Arizas, the 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 Lukumba Mutes, even Chris Paul, who's a tough little, like, solid dude. If you're going to let them beat up on Steph, knock him to the floor, bump him around on screens, if that's got to be his life night in and night out, his numbers probably are going to dip a bit. Yeah. I hope – I mean, he needs to have a better game to kind of – Yeah. Know, and going back, you would seem at Oracle should play much better because it's the first time in his career he's made one or fewer three-pointers in consecutive playoff games. So we'll see if he gets back his form. All right. Our other uh Eastern Conference Finals, Celtics-Cavs. This Celtics team has been the surprise of the postseason, but is it time we look at them and say, all right, this is just a really talented team than just saying, oh, this is improbable or unlikely? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yes. <laughs> yes, and I mean, they can still be a surprise because I don't know who saw this coming. Like, most Boston fans didn't see this coming. You know, when Gordon went down, we were all surprised that they were leading the East at one point, and then Kyrie goes down, and I think everybody just chalked it up. But, you know, they've got a lot of guys on that team that were – they were high draft picks. I mean, they, 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 Jake Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and, and, um, you know, Jason Tatum, Al Horford's been a five time all star. Like they, they have accomplished players with a good mix of young talent. Um, and, you know, I think what gets lost in the shuffle with Boston, if I'm being honest, is, you know, we talk about Brad Stevens and how, how good he is. We talk about all these young players and how good they are. And we kind of forget about Danny Ainge. Like, and the staff of evaluators that they have there and skill development, like their player development staff, they really find the right pieces. Number one, they go out and get them. And number two, they develop them. And so it's a really good team. And I said it the other day, aside from LeBron, aside from LeBron, like, tell me if you're, if you're picking a team, right? And the pool of players is from both of these two teams. Like, who's your number two? And I'm going to ask you, like, if you're LeBron, clearly LeBron is going to be number one. Yep. And probably you got Tatum. probably Jason Tatum. Yeah. Who would be number three? Probably Terry Rozier. No, Horford. Horford. Yeah. Who would be number four? All right. You're going down a lot. No, you are. And, and so at some point, Kevin Love's going to sneak in there. Right. But I would take. Probably right there. At I would take Jason Tatum and Al Horford. And I'd probably take Jalen Brown before Kevin Love going forward right, right. now. Right. You understand? Yeah. And so, I mean, you're talking about a team that, yeah, we've got LeBron on the Cleveland side. But man, you've got the next two, three, four best players, and then there's Kevin Love, and then there are more Celtics. Right. So the Celtics are good. Yeah. No, and, and I think it's it's at that point because I always, when you have the conversation in sports, like some things are said so much that you're like, all right, let's 
let's tone it down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like we're at that point with Brad Stevens? Because I feel like he's talked about as he's the next Gene Hour or uh, Red Auerbach. Like the way we talk about him is he's going to win ten championships, right? And you know, have this incredible run. He's a gr- good coach, but I'm like, let's slow down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, not to take any credit from him, but I feel you know what I mean. Like it goes. There's always a point when you get a proper amount of due, and then it's yeah, like you get put in you're over the top next category. Like I said, oh, he's the Bill Belichick of the NBA. Why well, hasn't won anything? Like, exactly. Yeah, That's right? kind of my point. So. Yeah, to that point, like, yeah, I think we do need to pump our brakes. I mean, clearly he's a very good coach. Yeah. And he gets his guys to buy in. He gets them to buy into, to, you know, whatever the philosophy is he's preaching. The next man up mentality is clearly in place there. They're not afraid of anyone. They don't quit on him ever in a game, which is huge when you see teams. So there's a lot of good there. But, yeah, I mean, he hasn't won anything. And I think, you know, if you hear some of the older NBA coaches, some of, like, the 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 lifers like they resent the fact that he gets all of this attention right you know what i mean like there's a little bit of Which resent. maybe the reason why he wasn't voted the nba or didn't get a vote in the nba coach of the year yeah because they're probably a little bit <laughs> a little probably like you know what he does have a lot of talent on that roster a little backlash yeah and 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 you know the the, the proof for him will be in the pudding over the next few years when they got a healthy a healthy roster and and right now it's easy to kind of sometimes it's easy to preach the like we're playing with house money thing, right? Like, you know, we got nothing yeah, to lose. Let's absolutely. roll it out there. Let's go. Like sometimes it's a little, it's the hunter versus the hunted thing all the time, you know? So I have what I think is a lock of the week. I don't even know if we're doing this pick in our picks and props, yeah. but I think Cleveland going back home. <laughs> what's this? What's it? Six, six and a half. Uh-huh. I think they blow them out. I think they win by at least 10. I think this is one of those desperate, and, you know, we heard Steve Kirk talk about it after, uh, game two, he's like, hey, one team was more desperate than the other. I think right. we're going to see a desperate Cavs team come out and play with an incredible amount of effort. They've coming off three or four or five days rest because the, you know, this gap. Yep. Ron's going to be healthy. He's going to have 40 plus. Like, I think this, that's the lock of the week for me. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I you could, you and could, I'm not saying the series. I'm just saying this that game, particular game. I think the Cavs have to get. I, look, pulling <laughs> pulling for a good series because I want to see I want to see yeah, a good series. Then too. I hope you're correct. Yep. Um, Boston has what? What are they? Owen? I don't know something in the playoffs on the road. Right. They want to yeah, get on have, the road. They've, been, they've struggled on the road. Which, like, if the trend continues, like I'm with you. The only thing is, I think at some point, like the way that bunch operates mentally. Like, and their mentality of like us against the world, they just seem to have a real chip. They're going to want to get over that. Yeah. And so I think you could see a very, very fired up Celtic squad that comes out and really battles with Cleveland, uh, in game three. I don't, I don't know that they get blown out. Um, they may. The Cavs backcourt's just been like, it's, oh. well, see, that's what, and you always say, and you're usually right, is that when they're going to go back, like you're going to see a Kyle Corver feel much more comfortable. Hopefully J.R. Smith finds his three pointer. You know, yeah. he's been atrocious. You're going to see some of those secondary players give you a lot more and they've been atrocious. Yeah. I, I, I for, for the Cavs sake and for, for NBA, like playoff viewing. Yeah. Basketball viewing. Yeah. yeah I hope, I hope you're right. Me too. I really do. All right. So I teased a little bit. We have a memory game and this is basically an ode to LeBron James because yep. of his little speech that he gave when he recalled every play in that 7 0 run. Which, woo, quick, yeah. was an hour earlier. <laughs> so Debo's cooked up a little something for us. What do you have, Debo? I have some questions for you guys. I want to see if your memory, it's been a couple decades, actually, for some of these <laughs> with you, Danny. Raja, about a decade. Some as recent as six years ago. The first one we got, November 3rd, 2003. This one for you, Danny. Okay. You make your first career start for the Broncos. Not your first career, but your first one with the Broncos. 
On Monday night against the Patriots and Tom Brady, you threw for 163 yards and one touchdown. Who caught that touchdown pass? Oh, <laughs> oh who, who caught the touchdown pass? All right, I remember the play was like a little play action, so it was a running back. I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, because this is a guess. I'm going to guess Mike Anderson. Mike is, Anderson. Is our member of the Salute to the troops. You are correct. Hey. I have a bonus question with that. Who picked you off in that game? Ooh. Um, Pretty big name. Not Teddy Bruschi. It wasn't Teddy. It nah, was. a corner in his rookie season. Ty Harrison. Asante Samuel. Asante Samuels. I think he's a local guy, too. Yeah, he is. Down yeah, he is. That. that punk. <laughs> Ball was tipped. <laughs> All right, next up, what do you got? Of course, Raja, this one we've talked about, one of my favorite childhood memories. Game 7, 2001, Eastern Conference Finals versus the Bucks. Raja, you only played nine minutes, but how many points did you score in those nine minutes? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Ten? Correct. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. efficiency. Yeah, I think it was uh, we had a three- we had a dunk. We had an and one. That would have given me eight. And then I don't remember. Look at that. You're going back ones. like LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the bonus I had was on how many field goal attempts. Oh, FGAs? Yeah. Let's see. I don't see. I wasn't getting a lot up back then. All right. I had the, the swipe steal that led to the two-hander. I had the this three is out of the memory. corner. Um, the and one, I went by uh, Irving Johnson. Irvin Johnson, yes, right. big Irvin in the center. Um, I would say probably five FGAs. You were four for six from the six. Oh, hey. All right, on Ray was, Allen at all? Again, uh, yeah, we. I played Ray. Ray was getting a lot of them up. I was just there, like <laughs> trying to be a shadow. <laughs> all right, Danny, your next one. Your rookie season, nineteen ninety six. So I don't want to bring this up, but I'm going to. The first four passes of your career were incomplete. Two of those targets were intended for the same guy. You got to give me two of those three intended targets. All right. One of them was Chris Calloway. Yep. One of them was Amani Toomer. Nah. Oh. Uh, Lawrence Dossie. The other two. Howard Cross oh, my and tenant. Thomas Lewis. Thomas Lewis, the fastest guy who couldn't catch a goal. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a former first-round pick, and Giants fans couldn't stand he him. He couldn't catch a goal. Balls. So that ball hit him in the chest. He just dropped it? Yes. Sorry, exactly. coach. Same deal. They were props. <laughs> uh, bonus question here. Who was the first completion of your career to? Uh, Chris Calloway? Tyrone Wheatley for a whopping Negative three yards. Wow. He was a running back out of Michigan, right? It was definitely a screen that, like, got busted up by uh, the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. he was another guy that Giants fans thought was a total bust. <laughs> I loved him. He was great, but he was hurt all the time. Uh, he had a rough go of it injury-wise. That's, that's, all right, right, so I, both I, of you have gone. answered one correctly. Raja, this is your second opportunity. The final game of your career that you played actually on the court, you sat out the postseason with the Jazz. Yep. Who was that against? Oh, that was in Philly against the Sixers. Not according to my research. Oh. Hey. <laughs> you said it was such a I know. I just knew it. Um, April 26th, 2012 against the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, uh, in Utah or in Portland? In Utah. In Utah. And here's the bonus for you. 
You're starting five that game with Utah. Can you remember it? You weren't included. Um, uh, Paul Millsap. No. <laughs> Rough start. Oh, so okay. So they were rest. They were resting like him and Al Jefferson. We probably already made the playoffs. Um, Al, Al Jefferson in there. I'll give you a hint. Al Jefferson wasn't there. Yep. Oh my God. I don't know. Um, uh, Devin Harris. Yes. Um, Alec Burks. We'll All finish right. it. Your Gordon Hayward, your old rook, Gordon Hayward, yeah, Mari Carroll, and Derek Favors. D Fave. Those were some good. They, they, we had we had a good young group of guys, man. That was pretty cool. Nice. All right, so we both so we one okay. for two. This your last one. We'll make it competitive because why not? I feel. Uh, why not? Actually, you had a tough one. No, remembering receivers, right. yeah, you had a tough right. one. Uh, week two. 1999, Danny is with the Atlanta Falcons in his first season with the Falcons. You're playing the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. you got to get this within two minutes, but when did you enter the game? You didn't start. You were the backup to start, but came in. When did you come in? I'm going to say six minutes left in the game. Oh, you came in earlier than that. It was a rough it, go. Yeah. Uh, a minute five left in the third quarter. Really? All right, so but I got, you still oh, got up like 24 passes in the last 16 minutes of the game. Gunslinger. Yeah, it was ugly. I think it was not, <laughs> not a good performance there. That was on Monday Night Football. Jamal Anderson got hurt. He tore his ACL Ugh. in that game. The whole team was like down in the dumps. That sucks. And we got worked in Dallas. Raja, your opportunity to win it here, the last one. Within two minutes again, at what point in the game did you clothesline Kobe? Ooh. Uh, mm, it was second half. Um, Nobody punks Raja. <laughs> Eight minutes to go in the second, in the fourth quarter. You're within that two minute time frame. Oh. 22 seconds off. It was 7.38 remaining in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. And Raja Damn. is our winner. Yes. That takes the title. All right. But neither one of us, I don't think, are, are scaring the ball. <laughs> <laughs> title of memory genius. Get the playback. Oh, exactly. All right. Let's do some, uh, take it or leave it. Okay. Take it or leave it. First up, this has got me into a little bit of trouble on Twitter. Not trouble, but a lot of my timeline has been absolutely wrecked by, up. uh, SEC fans. And specifically Alabama fans. They are not happy with me because Nick Saban had a comment, uh, and he was talking. Somebody asked him about UCF. That's my squad. Yeah. <laughs> the UCF, well, the Orlando, nice. O-Town, uh, for their undefeated claim on the national title. Nick Saban was asked about it. He said, I guess anybody has the prerogative to claim anything, but self-proclaimed is not the same as actually earning it. And there's probably a significant number of people who don't respect people who make self-proclaimed sort of accolades for themselves. All right, I'm leaving this all day. I think this was really messed up for Nick Saban. I think it was petty right. for him to even go after UCF, who doesn't have anywhere near the um, facilities, the money, the athletes, the five stars, any of it. Why do you care about UCF and them claiming anything? That's sort of – and nobody across college football is, is really recognizing him. They're taking it for what it is. It's a school claiming something that, you know – is probably not theirs, but they want to go out there and bring some attention to themselves. Right. And he keeps giving them attention, so they keep <laughs> running with it. The second thing is I think it's hypocritical because Alabama has more self-proclaimed national championships than anybody in the country. They've got four or five or even six if you go back and look at some of them because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And Alabama was gifted with an opportunity to play in the playoffs by the committee. So I don't – It to me it just reeks of – just a bad, like, come on, like, just be better than that, Nick Saban. 
this was therapeutic for you this morning. Yes, I got that that. Off my yes, chest. good, yes. good. But I, I, lit. I'm going to leave it too because for for every reason that you just stated, like, look, it's UCF. They they went undefeated. Like let them let them have a, let them have yeah. like let them let them have that and enjoy it and do what they want to do with it. And then secondly, like when we were coming up before they had this you know this bowl championship series, like there were a lot of seasons where two teams finished like undefeated or with one loss, and basically like you had to like. It happened all the time where yeah. somebody claimed that they were a national champ, even even if like I don't remember who was giving away the national championships back right, then. Right. But you would say like Florida State got it, and Miami would be like, "Yeah, no, we're national uh, champs too." Right. Like people did it. Well, they so actually like, had co-national champs. Right, they had co-nationals. Yeah. Right. So like I'm I'm leaving it all the way too. All right, leave that. Next up, take it or leave it. NBA teams should consider college coaches more in their search. I, I'll take that. Yeah. Especially now when the kids are younger. Um, you know, the gener generate generationally things have changed a bit. You're talking about the social media era and, um, some of these NBA guys are, are long in the two. Some of them aren't and they can adjust. But, you know, I think when you're dealing with a younger demo and they're going to be going to make potentially kids being able to come from high school again, you want guys that are used to dealing with them on the recruiting circuit, used to being around them and, and, um, you know, generally speaking, fresh and new, innovative ways to kind of play the game. Not that all NBA guys can't do that. Um, a lot of them are very capable, but I'm sure there are a bunch of guys in college um, that are that are able to do that. Like Brad Stevens has been great, Billy Donovan, and there are all the stories like of Reggie Theus and and Leonard Hamilton and 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 Rick Pitino who hasn't gotten it right. But those are older school guys, like guys who either played in the NBA and do it my way, or older coaches who are probably kind of stuck in their ways a little bit. Like some of these young progressive coaches, I think you should take a look at a few more of them. Doesn't mean they're always going to be right, but right. you should be looking. Because I think there's still the jury's still out on Billy Donovan in Oklahoma. I don't from some of the stuff you read coming out of there, yeah. there might be a little bit of a disconnect between him and Russell Westbrook and the rest of that uh locker room. I would say this, and I'm curious to know Debo's take on this, because if I'm the Sixers and I'm looking at what Brad Stevens did with his squad and yep. looking at the way the playoffs played out with Brett Brown, I would be calling up Jay Wright. And Jay, and so Debo looked at me and was like, you're crazy. This was a couple months ago. Debo, are you still in the I'm same boat? I'm still looking at you the same way. <laughs> but I feel like Jay Wright's the only guy you could call as the Sixers and say this would be potentially better to help get us to that next level. Yeah, I look, I think you're right in that if there was a guy that the Sixers could look okay calling to replace Brett Brown, it would be Jay Wright, especially in Philly at this point. Like he would be the guy where people would be like, We'd hate to see Brett Brown go, but right. you're getting Jay. Exactly. Um but I, I want to reiterate that I that I've said it before, like I think Brett Brown is a fantastic coach, and I think he deserves the right. I think he did a great job with that team this year. They yeah, they fell short in the playoffs, but some of that, like it was his first time around the block too, uh, and a lot of those guys, it was their first time around the block. So I'm going to give them, you know, a little bit of learning, you know, a little bit of time to learn. And you know, he he stayed through a lot of lean years there in Philly. Now you've given him some talent. Give him a minute to really make that that judgment on whether he can or cannot. All right, next up, take it or leave it. Trey Young is going to bring back Puma. Leave that. As a basketball brand. You ain't having it. Leave he's going to be a top 10 pick. Love it. He was leading leave four in that. college basketball. And it's got, leave that. It's the next Steph Curry. It's got, I don't care who he is. It's got nothing to do with. Oh, with, so this is more about Puma. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with Trey Young. It's oh, got to do with. like Pumas? I got Pumas in the I love Pumas. I love yeah. Pumas. I got, but I don't, as a basketball brand, they've never really been there. Like Ralph Sampson wore Pumas way back in the day. Under Armour wasn't there before Steph. Yeah, They're taken way more seriously now. They are, but, but they, I mean, they, Under Armour, and Puma may have this, like, grassroots campaign that they're gonna roll out. Under Armour started hitting, like, before Steph. 
Yeah. Like Under Armour was out at all the top 100 camps I went to with when I was like in the coaching program at the NBA. They had all the AAU events. Like they've had a real grassroots, like let's get in with these, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kids. So by the time they're in high school and college, they want to wear Under Armour. And then Steph kind of fell into their lap. Um, I don't know that Puma is going to like, hit the scene as an NBA brand. I think Trey Young's going to be fantastic. I love Pumas. I just don't see him as being like he's not going to change their perception as a basketball uh brand. They haven't had anybody in a long time. The last NBA athlete they had was 1998 with Vince Carter. He only made it through two years of the 10-year deal that they gave him. I thought that money was guaranteed. No. Was that after uh, and one? What year was that? Oh, uh, 1990. Yeah, well, no. right around the thick of it. Because 99. Nin- 98 would have been before and yeah, one. Yeah, before then. and one's been yeah. around. So they have Ricky Fowler now. They've been big in the golf community. I just hope they bring out some new kicks because I like their stuff. Do you like Ricky Fowler's high-top golf shoes? Yeah. You do? Yeah, I don't think all they're right. all right. Like, I like them the same as the guys that are going out there. Like, you were saying the guy with the Jordan. Yeah. Like, I think it's equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, if you're a Jordan brand guy, though, in the PG, like, you're the one cool golfer. Like, you, what is that guy's name? It's Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley and, Bradley and definitely then this, has it's a, it's a black dude. His name is... uh Not Tony Finau, the guy who broke his ankle. No, no, no. He's Nike. Right. This kid is like uh it's Jordan brand. Yeah, Tony Finau's like 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 it looks like he's uh Pacific like right, uh, right. Islander or something. Oh, is it like Varner? Like Harold Varner? Harold, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. That's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. All right, sweet. So it's kinda sad that I could narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> Tells you a lot about the PGA. That's it. Yeah, he's like a top ten in the at the PGA, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. All right, next up. Take the players, it. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Players. Next up, take it or leave it. The Dodgers are done. They've been atrocious this season. Oh, they follow them at all. Yeah, they the Marlins actually had a better record than them at a couple uh, for a couple minutes. Yeah. Seventeen and twenty-six. They were swept in a four-game series of the weekend by the Reds, who were the worst team in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm going to say yes, they are done. And I was totally wrong about this team coming into the season. I because I like sometimes picking the team that came up short. Right. When they lost to the Astros, like they get that taste of the World Series, like what it's like. They come back hungry. But I could not have been more wrong. They've been decimated by injuries. Uh, Henley Jansen, their closer, has like lost like seven miles inexplicably on his closer. Like it just somehow happens. I don't know if maybe he got tested and it stopped. Uh, something. Like I don't, I don't know how that happens. Right. But it's been a very real issue for him. I'm going to take it. I think that, that's a wrap. When you lose, you're swept in a four game series by the worst team in, in, in the National League by the Reds. And then you come into the, to Marlins and I don't follow baseball like that, but the Marlins, I hear all the time about, you know, what, what, what they've done and you come in here and you lose, you lose them. They lost six straight. Um, it just speaks like when you're on teams like that mentally, like it's not a physical thing, right? It's a mental thing. Like yep. there's just a cloud. There's some kind of funk. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say there it's a wrap for the Dodgers. All right. Last one. Take it or leave it. Robinson Cano's Hall of Fame candidacy candidacy is done. Yeah, take that. I'm taking that all day. So he mm-hmm. was just announced he was suspended for 80 games by Major League Baseball for violating their substance po- uh, abuse policy. No player before has ever that's been suspended has ever made it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, it, Manny Ramirez failed twice to get in. A-Rod, even as good as a career he had, he's not going to get in. Until they announce all the guys are right, available. Correct. Like, that's the only way they're going to do it. And for Robin Snow, I'm sorry. Like, you have to be – like, he came out with some excuse that he was prescribed a medication by a doctor in Dominican, the Dominican Republic. You are so educated – in Major League Baseball, by your own teams, by like you know what you can and can't do. If you did have a doctor prescribe it, you should be aware enough with the type of money that's at stake yeah. to check with a doctor, Correct. the team doctor on your team. This, but to me, it's not even about him not being smart. I think he was busted. Yeah, I mean, look, thirty-five. He's getting up there. He's probably looking at a way to extend his the success that he's had, his stat line, keep yeah. it up there. So. 
Uh, he's done for the Hall of Fame. No doubt. Until they do something else. It's, uh, it's about that time. Make some money. Yeah. People out there. Picks and props. Debo comes up with these, some sports related, some non sports related, but, uh, we'll see. So how are we doing, Debo? What do you got? Picks and props. We're good. We're going to get to the royal wedding. You better believe that. But first, we're going to start with horse racing. We don't know what the conditions are going to be at tomorrow's Preakness. They were sloppy and rainy for the Kentucky Derby. Can Justify win the second leg of the Triple Crown? I'm really uh, invested in this. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm like literally, I have no idea. I, no, but I did watch. I did watch the Derby. He looked dominant. He's like a big, huge horse. Like yeah. he looks like a specimen. He actually one of those things where I know nothing about horses, but you can look at that one and say, "Oh, this guy's physically more dominant." I think he does. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, and I think it's gonna be sloppy in New York too. My wife and them are up there. We're traveling uh, to play in a basketball tournament up there, and it's supposed to be wet and rainy all weekend. And if I'm watching. If I remember what happened to Kentucky Derby, he looked strong. I'm gonna go. Yeah, he looked real strong. Boom. Next up, Danny, you alluded to it. You said this is one of your best bets in a while. The Cavaliers are favored by six points right now over the Celtics in tomorrow's game three. Too much to cover? What do you got? No, I'm locking that down. Take it. Take it to the bank. That's going to be my lock of the weekend. I think Cavs, I think they go back. I think LeBron has extended rest. Anytime he's had even two days of rest, he's looked much better. It's going to go a long way for him. I think the role players playing at home, I think they're going to play better because they've been atrocious, haven't given LeBron much support. I think this is the desperation game for the Cavs. I think you are correct. I think the Celtics are going to look a lot better than they've looked on the road at times in the playoffs. But you hit two things. Role players playing better at home, and LeBron on the extended rest is a mofo. So I'm going to go with you. Wow. Usually when you – I know, I know, I know. I was very very aware of that, but I think you're right this time. I'm going to go with you. What's next? Go with Sunday's game, uh, the Warriors-Rockets game three. We know Kevin Durant. 15-0 15-0 and 0 in home games went, since he joined the Warriors. They're favored by seven over the Rockets after being beat by double digits in their last game. Is that one too much? Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't think that, I don't know that the Rockets are going to beat them in game three. I'm not predicting that, but I do think it's going to be a better game. You've had two relative, uh, blowouts, like mm-hmm. they, big swings and in, in scores, and I think this one's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think Golden State's probably going to beat them, but I think it could be under seven. I think this – I'm going to take the Warriors cover. I think they actually do win by seven or more. I think going back home – I think Steph Curry, again, the rest similar to LeBron yeah. with the injuries he's had will help him. He's due for a breakout game. We talked about his lack of three-point success he's had. I think playing an Oracle sees it a little bit better, feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I'm going to take uh, the Warriors to cover on that one. So we know that the Vegas Golden Knights are now both Danny and Raja's Vegas Golden Knights. Right. There's room for both of us on this. <laughs> a room on the bandwagon. Um, the Knights, slight favorites tonight, minus 25 to win over the Jets. They could go up 3-1. Do they get it done in that arena that they've had so much success in? No doubt. No doubt. Like, look, With you've, confidence. Correct. I like it. No doubt. Um I just I love the fact that the fan base wasn't was asked not to sell the tickets on the secondary market, and so there's a true home ice advantage. Yes, I'm riding with the Golden Knights. I think at home too. I think the home ice I think is going to be a huge factor, and all the Vegas flu factor. Yeah, the longer they've been there, they're going to be more likely in, <laughs> in the playoffs though. Yeah. Oh, in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Like if guys are going out, they're going out. Like if that's true. Your routine, like true. why would you slow down? Just keep doing what you always do. So I'm going to say yeah, the Vegas flu is still in force. I think they take the commanding 3-1 lead in the series. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to test your hip-hop culture knowledge here. 
Houston Rockets have had some rap stars on their sidelines for the first two games of the series, Travis Scott and Lil Wayne. Here's the deal. If they played in a one-on-one game to 21, who would win? I have Travis Scott minus five and a half. Some details for you. Scott, nine years younger and five inches taller. Lil Wayne, just five foot five. I'm going to say this is dominated by Travis Scott. Lil Wayne, so he's little, all right? So he's tiny. Yeah. But he also, he's... Have you ever heard him talk? Like, you can't breathe. I, didn't, I don't think he's cardiovascular. He doesn't have lungs anymore. Out there. No yeah, lungs. so I think Travis Scott would run circles around him. That's fantastic. No no background for either one of them, like, athletically? <laughs> yeah, did no, anybody, no, did no, anyone play middle school ball? or? Wayne's 35. He's getting up. There. I'll go with you. Yeah. Look, from what, I, from what I have to work with here, I'll go Travis Scott, too. Although he doesn't strike me as the most athletic dude in the world. But five inches and, and nine years, that's a lot to overcome. Yeah. Any Kardashian slash Jenner curse there? Ah. <laughs> I'm not touching be. that. Where's Hannah? Yeah. Hannah's not here today. Exactly. Where's Hannah? Uh, we'll move on. Hard Knocks. It was announced yesterday the Cleveland Browns, the 0-16 Cleveland Browns, will be featured on this season's edition of Hard Knocks. So the prop here, number of shots of Lake Erie they showed during the HBO show, or number of shots they show of Baker Mayfield putting that bandana, that famous bandana, on his head. He needs to lose the thing, first of all, but I don't think he is. You don't think he's going to fly it, in the NBA, the bandana? No, he's, he's he's. I don't think it will. He's making it his thing, but it's and not. I, don't, I don't love it. I think it'll be, can I take equal to? Because I think they're both going to be in the opening montage when yeah. they show them. I think they're going to have the Lake Erie, like that's going to be part of the montage. And then there probably will be the slow motion as Baker's putting it on, like tying it and giving you a look like the gamer look. Like that's absolutely going to be in the home, like the opening montage. Why would you let Hard Knocks, no disrespect to Hard Knocks. No, like, I don't. Why would you? I'm not 100% sure. Did you have a I, say? I think you have to do it. And there's like a, there's a criteria. Like you can't be a playoff team. The Browns, they can't yeah. get out that way. You have to have, if you were in it in the last 10 years, you can get out of it. Yeah. Like if you don't have any of these excuses, I think you're pretty much screwed. If they Their won. GM, John Dorsey, was very much against it. But like you said, Danny, I think it could only be like four or five teams this year and the Browns Actually, probably the most enticing out of all. Yeah, the only other team that was available that I thought would have been interesting was the 49ers. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. But other than that, like, it doesn't bring a whole lot of interest. So, yeah. it's got, I think it's going to be actually pretty good. Cool. I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. It's a really cool show. Like, I think it is a really accurate glimpse of reality. I love the show. Yeah. I don't love the effect that it has on the no, teams that, I don't <laughs> that participate in it. Gonna act different. That's I'm going to go with Lake Erie. I'll go with Lake Erie. When you guys, when you guys had guys mic'd up, did you add like you would always let each other know, right? Uh, yeah. At some point, like you'd forget that you had the mic on. Yes. And then exactly. at some point, you'd be like, "Oh shit, right. I got this right. mic on." Um, one year we had Jack McCullum. He wrote the book like seven seconds or yeah. less. And the book was the book was good. I read it a couple times. It was a good book. But but what happened was Jack just kind of became a fixture. Like he was just like a regular coach. So and initially it was like, look, this is Jack McCollum. He writes for such and such. Like he's going to be with us this year. And you were very cognizant of the fact that he was there. And so you were kind of guarded a little bit. You didn't want. And then it just became natural for him to be there. And so people started letting guard down and he started getting privy to a lot of information. Right. And then, you know, there were times where you read in the book and you were like, Jesus, like can't we, believe we that came out. <laughs> <laughs> Raj, I've been, I've read that book probably like 10 years ago. I've been meaning to like read it back since I've met you and like learn yeah. some stories. I think it would be interesting to read back. Yeah, there's some maybe have a, a book club on the podcast. All right. What else you got for us? Uh, next up, Mo Bamba, one of the most impressive 
wingspans in NBA Combine history. Actually, the largest wingspan in NBA history. Seven foot ten inches. That's 92 inches. The prop here. Mo Bamba's wingspan in inches versus games that Luka Doncic plays in the NBA in 2018-2019. Luka saying after the Kings got number two and the Suns got number one, I'm not sure if these are my last two games in the EuroLeague. We have yet to make a decision, perhaps after the season, maybe trying to avoid being placed with those franchises. Um, ooh, that's tough. I'm going to say that Mo Bamba's wingspan Sorry, Mo Bamba's wingspan minus 20. So yeah, so Luka he would Luka have to would play have 72 games. 72. I'm going to say Mo Bamba's wingspan. Um, I'm not so sure that Luka doesn't come over, but I could see a rookie missing 10 games for various Absolutely. injuries and but so on and so forth. Do you think he plays in the end? Do you think he's actually has it in him to sit out? No. Because that's kind of what he was alluding to, right? Yes. He would just pe- take the pass, the opportunity. But I don't look. Here's the deal. Like if you, well, I guess then if he scares them away, the Kings don't draft him, right? And then, um, I don't know. I, I Bill Bill Duffy is his agent. I think I saw Bill Duffy put out a quote and say Luca's not said anything. Bill Duffy came out and said Luca has not had any opinion on any NBA team. So when he's doing that, I think I think that the kid's gonna come over and play yeah. for whoever he whoever drafts him. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Did you guys see the story where an apparent Hurricane Harvey relief victim? Yes. He enrolled in a Dallas area high school. Okay. The problem is he was 25 years old and started playing for their basketball team and was pretty good, as you would expect someone that's 25 years old and seven, yeah. at least seven years older than the rest of the guys to be. The prop here, how many points you would score in a high school game if you played today at your current state, at your current physical state, current age? Minus eight versus Dante DiVincenzo's vertical jump that he put together at yesterday's Combine. The big ragu, 42 inches, leading everyone. Raja, that's better than you. You had 41. No, I went 40. At the 40. Vert? I went 40. Yeah, 42 is a number. That is Dante, 42. So what you got here? Ooh, minus eight. So I had to score 34. Or I had to score 35. 34, right? <laughs> no, you would have to score 50. Oh, oh minus eight. Other nah, right. Uh-uh. Nope. Games are short. Think Games are short. If like, you wanted to, if you just took over and was like, I'm going to show these boys what's up. I mean, but you're factoring in like minutes. my current, like my right now physical, like I've got yeah, no you're wind. In good shape. I'm, like I'm in oh, better shape, but I got no wind. I'd have to run. I'd eventually, run. my legs would be out, like if you did it right now. So Dante, for yeah. sure. I thought mine was eight. Just I thought it was going to be for me, just eight points. <laughs> get I get eight. eight. I would hope I get eight. I'm getting eight for sure. All right. Uh, the, the the crazy thing about it, I think he enrolled as a freshman, which is weird. Like how if you're an, one thing, like sneak in as a senior, but I guess if you're going in, like you're going all in, like, try not to get four years out of it. Uh, the other thing was at Permian High School, which is actually the basis for Friday Night Lights, the football movie, really with uh, Booby. Remember all those dudes? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the the actual sure. high school. That, uh, I thought it was Permian. No, I'll buy it. No, I th- I'm pretty sure it was. I maybe maybe we'll have to have there our was research a, department check that out. There was a kid from Florida that did this somewhere else, probably about ten years ago. Same situation. Yeah. And my thing is, was he 25? The kid from much, Florida was it that much older? No, like, I don't think he was 25. I think he was like yeah, early 20s. Like, yeah, like fresh out of school and then right. tried to re-enroll in another state. Um, yeah, that's just crazy. Like, if you're not getting 40 a game, you should have been, like, the player of the year. That's how they should have found out. You yes. were, like, the player of the year at 25 years old because playing. Because so it. average is how he actually pulled it off. <laughs> he wasn't any good. 
All right, Our final pick and prop. This is one where we definitely miss Hannah. I don't know what your weekend plans are, Raj. I know you're going up to New York. How early are you going to wake up on Saturday for the royal hashtag royal wedding? And the prop here, what color do you think the queen's hat will be? Ooh. Like white? Yeah, well, there's that's not the favorite. Oh, no. so cream and ivory is the favorite at oh, one. Let's make that. Blue is uh-huh. four to one. White, same as blue. So that's the second favorite. So white is four to one. Green, five to one. Silver, seven to one. A long got shot. Brown at 50 to 50. one. Is that what about the you value Jack? there? The Union Jack one is my favorite. 101. Oh, if she comes out there wearing Jack. the Union Jack cat. That would be hilarious if she did it. I don't know. If, like, what's his name? Prince Harry? He likes to get after it a little bit, have some fun. It could be at yeah. the host party. Yeah. Break out the Union Jack hat and put it on her. Well, I'm going to go with white. You're, You're going, going with white? I'll go with cream. cream I'm going ivory. with white. Uh, if you're going to watch it, when does it start? Saturday morning, it comes on live. I will not watch that. I I won't either because I'll be caddying, but I will watch the replay. HBO is actually having Will Ferrell and Mon- Molly Shan- Shannon from SNL, yeah, like do this skit where they're kind of they're going to do it live, but they're playing it in character, yeah, like, as the cheesy TV anchors. Oh my god! So I can't like that's okay. that's what I'll that's watch. how you'll watch. That'll it. be that'll be. Right. I want to say it's four a.m. Nah, no, no. Well, I thought it started at six thirty a.m. Like, I thought it was well, six. you got to get all the lead Oh, you got to get the red carpet mm. and do all that? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do a little player's perspective. Player's perspective. Because one of the things that's been really evident, especially in the NHL, I mentioned the home ice, yeah. was playing at home. Uh, you know, the Capitals have uh, on the road are 10 and 5. Caps at home are 3 and 5. This one's a little bit mind-boggling because usually you think you would be stronger playing at home. Yeah. Um, you've often talked about the role players playing better at home. That's why I'm picking the Cavs. And the Warriors to cover this weekend. Do you think it makes that much of a difference? I do. I think. And how do you explain the Caps being better on the road? I'll tell you what my theory is. I I go yeah. Please tell me because I, I think play, so. They've had their postseason woes, right? Where they've been bad in the postseason. They've had this curse on them. So I think at home they feel a little bit of that tension and pressure, pressure from the fan base. When they go on the road, and this would probably be similar to what I experienced in my career, because there would always be booze. You know, if you threw an interception, and be like, hey, get him out of there. And you start to hear that. Where on right. the road, I almost felt like I was better. Everybody hated me for a different reason. Like, but they, like I felt better in that role. I don't know if my stats put it out or not. So there, I, I, I agree with you. What the only thing that I have to compare it to. <laughs> So we did have numbers. I was so much better. That completion <laughs> percentage. Debo, you're fired, man. We are not putting up That's so fantastic, Debo. On the board. <laughs> Debo's fired from ever. Do you have mine? Debo, do you have mine? So I was clearly way more accurate. Roger on the road at home. I was I was marginally better at home. Yeah, I I, I oh, Raja, you were five percent worse from the free throw line. I think that's the only noticeable discrepancy. On the road, Is that an actual factor. Yeah, you were five percent worse yeah, on the road perception. at free throw line. Yeah, I don't. I'd hate to give the fans credit for that, but maybe, <laughs> maybe. I think it's um, more like just the different look behind the basket. Yeah, there's, there's different, you know, depth stuff. There definitely is. There's something to be said for like your 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 home. Um, but look, I had a situation into to the point you were making about the pressure you feel when I got traded to Charlotte. Um, it was the first time I really felt it. Uh, I just I wasn't really happy to have gotten traded to Charlotte at the time. And I didn't come out of the gates playing well because I was sulking a little bit and I didn't want to be there. And quickly the fans could kind of feel that. And I wasn't performing, so I could feel their frustration with me. And so it became hard for me to get over that hump of the trade at home. And 
I want to say, I don't think he's got the stats for this, but I started hitting my stride with Charlotte in road games. Mm-hmm. And I started getting comfortable with my teammates, letting my guard down a little bit and realizing that I was going to be fine here in Charlotte. And then it started to translate a little bit back to the home court. But initially, I felt that pressure too at home. Um, it was all my fault because I started it. But the fact was they were impatient. They wanted me to play better, and it was hard for me to do at home. Yeah, no doubt. Five-star Q&A. All right. It's Friday, so you know what time it is. It's time to do our five-star Q&A. Let's get it. If you're out there and you're listening, you're wondering how you can listen to us, go to iTunes, subscribe. When you're there, they'll ask you to leave a review. Five stars. And in the review section, ask us a question. Ask us anything. This is kind of like where we like to go off the rails a little bit, have some fun, get to know us on a different level. All right. So first up, from The Hager. H-E-G-E-R. You pronounce it. I don't know how it goes. They say having larger hands in basketball and football is a huge advantage. What players did you play with or against that had smaller hands but were still stars? Ah. Besides Kobe. Coming in here. Besides Kobe. Kobe had small hands? I don't, oh. I don't know. Is that a, it might have been a joke. I think it was. A joke. Um, I don't know. I never really looked at my opponent's hands. <laughs> I don't with know. You. But I'll tell you what. When I was in the front office with Cleveland, um, Tristan Thompson has small hands. Um, and he's not like a, a star, so I don't know, but this is the only thing that I can draw on. Tristan had small hands and like when I got there, people in the front office would tell me that Tristan doesn't, he didn't finish great around the rim. Like he wasn't a great finisher. And some of that had to do with the fact that a lot of the times he had to go up with both hands with that ball to protect it because he couldn't hold it with one. And so it would make it vulnerable to deflections or blocks or so on and so forth. So, um, you could see the effect that it had on his ability to finish around the rim because his hands were smaller. I think, yes, it's an advantage if you have them, but there's exceptions to every rule. I would not, if I had seen a guy on film mm-hmm. perform to a high level and throw a football or shoot a basketball, I could care less what size his hand was. Yeah. You know, like if the guy's shown me he can do it at a competitive level and succeed, I'm not going to hold it it's against not an him issue. say, oh, well, maybe it doesn't translate. No, yeah. I, I think it's there, one of the most over-evaluated things. The case has also been made for guys like Shaq and those guys' hands being too big. Right, because why they can't to... shoot free throws. Yeah, exactly. They're shooting like a pool cue, like <laughs> right. a pool ball. Or a golf ball. Right. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, from one, two, three, four, five. There's a lot of fives. A lot of fives? Yeah. Uh, Danny, explain how the history over the last 12 years of Alabama football, the Dolphins, and the Saints changed over a shoulder diagnosis. What can you tell us? So I know exactly what this is about. This is about so my dad, oh. my dad was a team doctor for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Well, uh, when Drew Brees That's and right. Dante Culpepper, That's correct, were free agents, they both were coming off significant injuries. Yeah. Dante Culpepper, an ACL injury. Drew Brees from a torn labrum surgery that he had. So my dad was obviously part of the medical evaluation. Yeah. So he did take a look at both these guys, took the information to Nick Saban, who was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and said, "Hey, you can either have." They're both going to be okay. Yep. You can have one who's going to probably be a little bit slow while he's trying to run for a part of the season, and you're going to have one who's probably going to be a little bit limited in the throws that he can make in his first season. But eventually they'll probably both be fine. And this was sort of the diagnosis that he not only got from my dad, but from James Andrews, world-renowned surgeon. So it wasn't you know, a blockbuster one. So Nick Saban was like, well, why would I want to – the quarterback throws the ball – why, why I would probably go with the one whose legs because he can still throw the ball and still run the offense. Right. So they ended up signing Dante Culpepper. Drew Brees goes to the Saints, brings them a Super Bowl. Nick Saban gets canned because Dante Culpepper was a bust, goes to Alabama, and that's how the history has changed from a medical diagnosis of the Miami Dolphins. So what you're saying, though, is like Alabama fans, in all their, they should be thanking you. Yes, Correct. They be thanking me for sending Nick Saban their Correct. way. That's what I think the real message Correct. of this that podcast was what it was. should be. All right, so we settled that one. All right, next up, 
from Gol Gulp BS. Gulp BS. Yeah, okay. I, I always make fun of Hannah for not being able to pronounce these. <laughs> They're not exactly easy. All right, so from Gulp BS, <laughs> just had a baby boy Noah six months ago. Congrats. Congrats. How young is too young to start him on a path to the NFL draft? You both have kids that seem to love sports. How do I make sure that is the case with him as well? Oh, you might be asking the wrong one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, look. Massage his hamstrings yes. now with like tiger's milk. Start stretching him from his crib, putting him on a rack, start getting him longer. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how young is too young to start like having him enjoy sports and having a ball and just, you know, my, I have a, uh, my 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 baby girl, my only girl, is like one and a half years old, and she loves to r- run around and grab the basketballs that her brothers are playing with and kick a soccer ball. And if the balls are just around at that age, and they have it, a, like if they if they take to them, like right. it's it's great. And then you know, six months old, you can so start you put, training them so when they're like, like the two. Little, <laughs> put a cone drill and you have like snacks that are right next to the yeah. cone drill and have them going back and forth. Uh, I would say. Don't stress it at this age. Yeah, man. Like, but like my dad often, I asked him, like, did you do anything different with me? He was same, same with you. Like, yeah, you had toys, which are essentially balls right. nowadays, and you kind of have them playing, have them available so they can go there. And if you love sports, your kid probably, probably will do. Sports. And if your kid doesn't love sports, that's okay too. Like, yeah. don't try to push it on them, force it on them. I think that's what can turn off a lot of kids. Better message. I think your better message was, dude, <laughs> at right. six months old, enjoy yes. every moment of that. Exactly. It goes by quick. All right. How about from Big Red Trella? Danny and Raja, we've seen great rivalries in sports. Tiger versus Phil, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, Nadal versus Federer. Who were your biggest rivals growing up and as professionals? Oh, my biggest rivals growing up. Um, in high school, my biggest rival was uh, I played at Miami Killian, and so there was a team, uh, South Miami High School. It had Charlie Miller, who wound up going to Indiana. He was my class, um, much more highly heralded as a player, and for rightfully so. He was a man-child already, and so he went to Indiana, and they had another young kid named Lucas Barnes, who wound up playing at University of Miami, and like that was my biggest rival. We beat them my senior year to win our district, and Charlie was the leading scorer in the county. I was second leading scorer. Luke was third leading scorer. So there was a whole lot of a back and forth. But he would have been my biggest rival uh, in high school. And then as a pro, um, I didn't really have rivals. Uh, my job was was one that like most scores two guards would hate me just by the nature of my job, which was to go out there and try to make your life a living hell whenever I got the chance to do that. So I had a bunch of guys that probably just hated me. <laughs> so I would say, I don't know, in high school there were school rivalries that we had. I don't know yeah. if there was necessarily an individual guy that I had something with. Uh, in the pros and, the, and in college too, I would say a rival, but he's also a friend. It's one of those ones where you kind of keep an eye on how he's doing and you want to do better was yeah. Danny Werfel. Because okay. we, were friend, we got friendly our senior years in high school and we started talking through the recruiting process. Right. Hey, where are you going to go? What are you hearing? These types of things. I end up going to Florida State. He ends up going to Florida. So we're natural rivals there. So I would have, but I was always like, he started before me. So I was like, oh man, he's getting his opportunity yeah. first. But then we played against each other. I got to beat him the first time we played against each other. I was like, yeah, I got him. But then he won the Heisman Trophy. Like it was, and then we got to the NFL and I started to have a little bit more success. Yeah. With him. But it was always one where you kind of, it was a healthy a, rivalry. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of pushing yourself That's uh, good. to do that next thing. Uh, last one from CB Morning. He's our guy. Uh, college mascots battling it out. Who's winning? Oh. Which mascot are you claiming? The Panthers 
Oh, you're oh you're talking about our. I think like, it has to be. Yeah, I think it has to be college mascots. I think it's ours. Nah, man, a panther would destroy a Seminole. I, I don't know. Are you a sure? Panther. Chief Osceola ain't messing around. Chief He's Osceola, got they probably wore they wore He's got panther renegade so he can run around. On they the wore horse. panther skins probably too, right? Yes. Depends see. on whether you were hunting panther or if you were like in like yes. It's on what type of matchup? Like, do they get a weapon or are they just thrown in a pit? Correct. It doesn't matter. I mean, I could go with the Boston University Terriers. It's a little <laughs> a terrier. That would be the third place in the college mascot. So, all right, you guys can tell us. Leave us uh, in that five-star view. Tell us who wins in the college mascot there you go. game. Tell us there. Uh, as always, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Canel and Bell. Go subscribe on iTunes and uh, anywhere else that there are podcasts. Make sure you find us. We're out there all over the place. Thanks for listening. Have a good Friday.